I'm reading today from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. As a reminder, we're doing a series this summer entitled On Deck. You saw the promo video. It's a series that focuses on action verbs from the gospel. Not long titles. Every week will be one word. Last week, the word was follow. You're on deck. It's time to follow. This week, the word is live. Live. Imagine yourself just for a moment as a first century Palestinian peasant. You really don't have any influence. You might not be terribly poor, but you do live under an oppressive dictatorship, let's call it, namely Rome. Your king really does not have a lot of influence, and the nation that was once grand, not just in your imagination, but in real historical memory, is virtually absent in terms of its grandeur. So imagine yourself in that position and then hearing about a teacher named Jesus. You, with a lot of other people, decide that you're going to go hear this teacher talk about the kingdom of God. And you go to a mountain, a hillside, a plateau on a very high plain to hear the teachings of this man named Jesus. And he makes some interesting sort of radical statements. Things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they would be, will be filled. One way to translate that is, blessed are those who are famished for righteousness, because they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is 
the kingdom of heaven. And he's speaking to you. And you've got no power. And you've got no influence. And he doesn't give you a rousing speech at the beginning of his sermon concerning the grandeur of the kingdom of God. He, he outlines things like this. But then, partway through the sermon, he looks at all of you and he says, you're the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. I don't know where your imagination is going, but I'll tell you where mine goes. If I'm a Palestinian peasant and I hear these words, and according to Matthew's chronology, was real early in the ministry of Jesus. And I don't know this fellow very well, and I'm sure he doesn't know me. And he makes this declaration to me and all the other people. My response is going to be, what? Did, did you hear what he just said? He said, we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. Why would he say such a thing? He doesn't even know us. Or you might say to yourself, I was just here to hear about something. I'm not even following yet. But he said it to everyone who was there. You know, in order to catch the imagination of the person who heard those words, he used two things that were very common. He used salt and light. And any child growing up in the Middle East at the time would understand the importance of salt. You would see salt used every day in your home. You would have understood the importance of light because there was a lamp in every home. And if you really wanted to illuminate the house, which was small, you would raise the lamp up onto a lampstand so everyone around could see and the light would shine. And if you happen to be literate and read very much, you probably would be familiar with a famous phrase from a writer called Pliny, who said, there is nothing more useful in the world than salt and light. He actually said, and the sun. You would have gotten it because it was a common image. Here's what you also would have understood about those common images you would have understood that salt was a preservative because it was rubbed into the meat. And otherwise, the meat without refrigeration would spoil rapidly. So how do you preserve that meat that is so important to your life? You preserve it with salt. I remember uh, hiking to the bottom of the Grand Canyon for my son's 18th birthday. It was a great event. But it was about 120 degrees in July in the Grand Canyon. So you can imagine there were certain things we didn't put in our backpack. But one thing we put in our backpack was meat that was salted. We had lots of that. We knew we needed salt. We knew we needed meat. So beef jerky was it along with nuts and a few dried pieces of fruit. 
Salt was important to our sustenance, and salt was important to the preservation of what we were about to eat as well. Salt, of course, is not just a preservative, and they would have known that. Salt is also there for flavor. Um, it is probably the most important spice that any cook uses, right? And you use it in a timely fashion, even if you're just making oatmeal. They would have understood that. And salt was also an antiseptic. It was a healing property. And they too would have understood that. I grew up in South Florida, as many of you know. And one of the things that fascinated me was when I had a cut on my skin and I swam in the Atlantic Ocean, it basically disappeared. Matter of fact, I used to love to go swimming when I had a cut because I thought it was so cool to watch it go away. So they would have understood these images. It was a flavor enhancer. It was a preservative. And it was an antiseptic. So Jesus looks at them and says, you're all three of those things. You're salt for the earth. But he also says, you're light for the world. And you would have understood light as well. Probably even more than we do now. Everything is lit now. Did you ever wonder what it must have been like in that day when darkness fell over the land? There's no such thing as a street lamp. No headlights. No flashlights. A torch and a lamp. And that was it. And you know about how far light goes when you have a torch or a lamp in your hand just a little ways. But it goes just enough to illuminate your path. So you wouldn't go out walking in the dark except perhaps on a full moon night. You would take a lamp with you, a torch with you, so you could see. So they would have understood that, that light illuminates the path. They also would have understood this image, that light shines into the darkness, and darkness is often associated with evil. So light dispels evil as an image in their imagination. It's also interesting that Jesus, on more than one occasion, said a light is useless if it's put under a bushel or under, let's say, a cover. Why is it useless? It's useless because it's not intended for that. It's useless to be shared, to spread out. Now, when you think about the image of salt and you think about the image of light, one thing you probably don't think about is the location where Jesus was giving this teaching. And the location where Jesus was giving this teaching was very close to the Dead Sea. And there were some famous people just across the Dead Sea into the desert caves. They were called the Essene community. And you know what the Essene community did? It retreated from the world. It went into hiding in the most severe form of asceticism. It preserved wonderful documents. You've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. But it did little else. 
So Jesus is saying to these people, you are salt and light. And he never says this. But if you know anything about the background, you're thinking to yourself, Jesus must have been thinking in contrast to some folks, like those in an Essene community, don't hide your light. Don't hold on to your salt. Be out there in the world. Those were some common images that they would have been very familiar with. We also know about light, uh, some things now that we didn't know back then. For instance, even though Pliny said sunlight was so important, back then they really had no reason to know that if the sun were literally to burn out or disappear, in 45 days, according to most scientists, the entire world would be encrusted in ice and everything would be dead. You're the light of the world says Jesus. Those were common images. But from those common images comes an uncommon reality. What's the uncommon reality? The uncommon reality is this. No matter how insignificant you are, you're salt and light for the world. But you know, we have the capacity to take that image and do something that's really not helpful with it. We have the capacity to turn a good thing into something that's bad, don't we? Absolutely. If, if you don't have that capacity, you and I can't relate because I have it. We could take such an image. We are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We could take such an image and move towards arrogance, couldn't we? We could make such an image all about us. We could fool ourselves into thinking that only Christians are good. And you know that is not true. You know there are plenty of people in the community that you live and work with that exemplify better behavior than some Christians you know. So let us not be arrogant when Jesus says to us, you are salt and light for the world. We are. But we're not the only good in the world. God has multiple ways of achieving good. His primary way of redeeming the world is through his people. But there is good in the world. Much good in the world. Here's another thing we could do with this image and make it all about ourselves. Not only could we become arrogant, but we actually could become convinced that if we don't do it, it will never be done. That if somehow we're not right, the kingdom of God won't come. That if somehow we fall short of what we ought to be, there's no possibility that the kingdom of God is going to expand. Do you realize who Jesus chose not just then, but now. 
He chose frail, fragile, sinful people who routinely do not measure up. But still, but still, he said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Why do I say that? Um, It might not sound like it, but I intend it to be a word of encouragement. Yeah, some of you are laughing. It doesn't sound encouraging. No, no, hear me out. It's a word of encouragement because God is going to do his work as you patiently and imperfectly follow him. Why? Because even though you're called salt and light, It's not really about you. It's about God. So we could turn a good image into a bad image, and we've done it many times. There's something else we could do with the image that really would be counterproductive. We could do with this image something like this. If I'm salt and light, it means I've got to do something. If I'm salt and I'm light, it means I've got to say something. That's true. You do need to do something. You do need to say something. But consider the context of these words. What is the context of these words? It's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is not saying, I want to tell you Here's what you need to be doing. I want you to create this program. I want you to, the list could go on. That's actually not what he says in the Sermon on the Mount, at least at the beginning. He doesn't talk so much about doing as he talks about being. So, in other words, how are you the light and the salt of the earth? Sure, by doing but more importantly, by being. You are salt and light when you are poor in spirit. You are salt and light when you mourn. You are salt and light when you hunger for righteousness. You are salt and and light when you're merciful. You are salt and light when you're peacemakers. You are salt and light when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. There's not a lot of doing there, but there's a whole lot of being there. Jesus does not say, you are salt and light, so I want you to do good works so you can feel better about your status of righteousness. He doesn't say, you are salt and light, so I want you to get busy so you can earn your reward. He says, you are salt and light, be it. And in being it, you reflect the light of God. My wife's not here. She's gone this weekend, so I can say whatever I want about her without any repercussions. Even when I say positive things, she hates it. She doesn't like for me to mention anything about her. But today, I don't care. For those of you who know my wife or have been at our house, 
you will know that my wife is not a good cook. Yeah, yeah. I heard some whistles. No, she's not. My wife is not a good cook. My wife is a gourmet chef. I'm serious. That's not just my estimation. You ask people who know her cuisine. I am absolutely never bored at dinner. As a matter of fact, she sometimes will say, what do you want for dinner? And I say, I don't care. Not because I don't really care, but because I can't even predict what the next thing is going to be. She is such a foodie. She understands food so well, she can make magic out of nothing. It's unbelievable. It's beautiful. Now, I have heard people say, on occasion, when they're going to our house, oh, this is going to be great because Brenda's cooking. Seriously. You know what I've never heard anybody say when they come to our house and sit down at our table? They never say, you guys have the best salt I've ever tasted. No, nobody says that. Nobody says that because salt is almost invisible. And it's used perfectly well by my wife. And it enhances the flavor of the food. You get the image, right? Jesus says, you're the light of the world. It's not you, it's me. You're the salt of the earth. Salt is not food. It just enhances the beauty in the food. I love that image. Here's why I love it, especially on most days, because I'm overwhelmed with doing. And on many days, I feel like I don't do it right. And on many days, I strive harder to get it done. And I look at this image, and I say to myself, I don't think that's the message. I think the message is, Bob, just follow Jesus. Just reflect the image of your Lord, and then it will glorify God don't be the cook. Be the invisible salt of the earth. That takes a lot of work off my shoulders. A lot of burden off my heart. Because I can just be. And God can do. That's what I want you to remember. As you go out this week. You can just be, and God can do. Live like salt and light. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we're overwhelmed um, with the task. The world looks a mess. We feel a mess. Some of us have tried 
so hard to get it right. We've done all the stuff we're supposed to do. We read our Bible, we pray, we serve, we do our best to raise our family the way we feel like you called us to. And sometimes we're just exhausted by the doing and discouraged by the outcome. So, Lord, help us at least for this moment to focus in a new way, to rest in you, to be the light of the world, not because we got it together, but, as Peter said, to always be ready, to give a reason for the hope that's within us. And, Lord, help us to be and let you do the rest. In the name of Christ, our loving Lord, we pray. Amen.